and welcome to Bold Conscious Connections, the show where we delve into the journeys of exceptional individuals who have embraced their true potential. My name is Raju Panjwani, your guide on this adventure of discovery. In each episode, we connect with inspiring leaders, entrepreneurs, and visionaries who share their stories of transformation, resilience, and success. This is a space for you to find inspiration, my friends, learn from others' experiences, and ignite your own path of personal and professional growth. Now, so whether you're seeking a spark of motivation or strategies for success, join us on this journey of bold and conscious connections. In this refreshed season four, Bold Entrepreneurial Tales, we're celebrating the stories of individuals who bravely stepped beyond traditional roles to follow their entrepreneurial hearts, as I say. These are not just business stories. They're personal journeys of courage, creativity, and transformation. Whether you're dreaming of starting your own venture or seeking inspiration to keep going, these tales are for you. Join us as we share relatable life experiences, real life experiences, challenges and triumphs that resonate with your journey towards success and fulfillment. Now, without further ado, let me get to today's episode. Today on Bold Conscious Connections, we're thrilled to welcome Chris Miles. He's a true embodiment of entrepreneurial spirit and financial innovation. I met Chris about three years ago at a retreat back in Sundance, Utah, and that's where he's a resident. His path is unique. He never followed the conventional corporate route, but instead chose early on to pave his own way in the world of finance. In this episode, you'll see how we dive into Chris's passion for financial freedom that led him to become a leading cash flow expert and became the founder of Money Ripples. We explored in this conversation his unconventional strategies for financial success and how they align with personal growth and leadership. If you're looking to be inspired and gain some practical insights at the same time into creating your own path of financial and personal abundance, this episode's for you, my friend. It is a must listen. Well, welcome to Bold Conscious Connections, our show. My name is Raju Panjwani, your host. And today I'd like to welcome my friend, Chris Miles. Chris Miles is the cash flow expert, CEO of his company. He's a leading authority on teaching entrepreneurs and uh, professionals on how to get their money working for them today. Uh, he's an author, he's a podcast host, well-known of The Money Ripples. It's called The Money Ripples Podcast. has been featured in the US News, CNN Money, uh, Entrepreneurs on Fire, etc., and has a proven reputation with his company, Money Ripples, of which he's the CEO, uh, getting his clients fast financial results. His personal uh, clients have increased their cash flow by 300 million. Is that is that correct? Uh, in the last yeah. 14 years. Welcome to the show, Chris. Hey, it's a pleasure to be here, Raju. Well, delightful. So I usually ask my guests, you know, um, and because all of what people do is in the show notes and every person I have, I'm just honored to have them here because they have so much to share about their life and their stories. But I always ask them, tell us who Chris is, who you are, not necessarily what you do. And you can certainly tell us about what you do and got a little background here. So, but in your own words, who is Chris Miles? You know, I'm, I'm a leader and a teacher. 
You know, someone who establishes higher standards of service, perseverance, and stewardship to create happy, fruitful lives in whatever form that might look, you know, that's ultimately who I am, you know, at the core. Uh, now, like you said, there's lots of different roles and how you express that, whether it be through being the CEO of my company and being an educator and a teacher there, um, mm -hmm. you know, even being a father, you know, to of six of my own children, plus two bonus kids, you know, like things like that. I mean, there's lots of different roles that gets expressed, but ultimately down to the core, I'm all about raising the bar. Wonderful. Well, that's what we're here for because uh, the audience, the, I think the pr primary audience, but that's yours and mine, you know, are professionals who are looking for, for deeper lives and, and living more fulfilling lives. So th the first question I have for you around about that is, you know, you often talk about achieving a time freedom and breaking free from the typical nine to five or whatever people's lives are these days, they're like, you know, for me, it's like, you know, eight to eight or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. Could you share some strategies or insights on how individuals can realistically move towards a work optional lifestyle balance? I mean, I'm not even talking about balance because I don't really believe in balance per se, but, but you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you got to get to the point where you have enough money coming in to be able to pay for your bills. Right. And mm -hmm. there's a lot of ways to do that. But I'll tell you, like many people will talk about trying to minimize and actually I'm, I'm pretty, I'm okay with people living more of a minimalist type lifestyle, as mm -hmm. long as that minimalist lifestyle doesn't cut out everybody in your life that means something, right? Because at the end of the day, your health is important. Your relationships are important. Like that's mm -hmm. part of the wealth that you have in your life. But there is more of a minimalist movement lately where they're saying, Hey, just cut out everything. You know, I, I'll see it all the time on YouTube. People will talk about how, you know, there's. There's only like, a, you know, they'll say, I can live on $2,000 a month. I just have to have a paid off house and I'm good. Well, congratulations. I'm, I'm <laughs> sure you probably are single, <laughs> you know, um, I'm sure you probably just have a very simple lifestyle and more power to you. But the people I usually talk to, they usually want something more. They don't want to just survive. They want to thrive, mm -hmm. right? They want to be able to do what they want with whom they want, you know, do what you love with those that you love. And that's ultimately what they try to do. Mm -hmm. And so... Yes, you can minimize your way a little bit to some degree, but you can't go down to zero. That's just not mm -hmm. going to happen. You need passive income coming in that pays you whether you work or not. And there's a lot of times people talk about passive income. You know, like, for example, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I heard people talk about creating passive income through Amazon dropship. Well, mm -hmm. I, I got news for you. That's not passive. Like that mm -hmm. is very much a business. You're going to work your tail off mm -hmm. and it might produce results or you might lose money, you know? That's not what I mean by passive or creating another real estate business, but you really have, you know, have a full-time or part-time job. Passive mm -hmm. means that you've got money that you can get working harder for you so you don't have to work for it, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so I had somebody ask me this the other day. They said, hey, Chris, I've got a little bit of savings. I want to make at least another 1000 to 2500 a month. Mm -hmm. I said, okay, great. Well, how much savings do you have? 20000 bucks." And I said, well, if you want to have truly passive income, and that's the thing they were saying, they're like, I just don't want to have to put any more mental energy. I'm going through a divorce. Sure. I don't want to have to do that. I said, well, here's the honest truth. You're lucky to make maybe 150 bucks or so a month with that 20,000 in a passive investment. Right. So you might have to do other things through business or other streams that might be a little bit more hands-on, a little bit more time and energy focused, but it doesn't mean you have to be working 80 hours a week to do it. And, uh, and I think that's the important thing is that really it's, it's how do we take the money that we have, all the resources that we have, all the money that Financial advisors have told you for years, stash away, never touch, never use, just let it sit there so they get paid forever while you get paid nothing. And mm -hmm. then, of course, pay off your house. But if the recession hits and you happen to lose things, 
you can still lose your house too if you don't pay your tax bills and things like that. So I try to teach people to get your money out of prison and get it to work for you so that you can get yourself out of prison. Well, well said, but take the example of the $20,000 you just mentioned, right? The person who has that. So does that person have any hope or you just want them to do something else because you can't really have more any passive income coming out of the 20,000 as, as you said, except maybe 150 bucks. Listen, if you just want your money to make money, there's gonna be a lot of scams out there. They're gonna try to take mm -hmm. your money and say you can make massive returns. Um, yes. Like for example, I knew somebody that uh, came to me and said, hey, this guy, he's paying me 10% a month on my money. He just has to go and trade it in the options market and the stocks and yeah. whatnot. And I said, get your money out now because you're gonna lose it. Yeah, because even yeah. if they, you don't lose the money yet, before you lose the money, the SEC will shut them down fast. Right. Because I've seen it happen every single time, 100% of the time. And what happens, they keep it in there because they're, they're caught in because they, you know, 10% a month. I mean, think of this. If you have like, that same woman have 20,000 bucks, I mean, she's getting paid 2,000 a month. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a drug, right? It's hard right. to want right. to break from that, even though they have no clue how they're really making money. And even though mm -hmm. that's not even a realistic rate of return, even for options mm -hmm. trading in the stock market, because right. you do the math, if somebody makes 10% a month for the next 20 years, you become richer than Jeff Bezos. Right. I can guarantee you, None of those traders are richer than Bezos right now after the years mm -hmm. they spent in the stock market. That's a right. bunch of BS. Mm -hmm. So when I talk about passive income, it's usually in like asset, like real assets backing up, like real estate, for example. Mm -hmm. So it would be 10% a month. You're looking at maybe like 10 or only 10 or 12% a year, more mm -hmm. than what the stock market's averaged and yep. safer. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, there's no guarantees, of course. Could, there's still risk, right. but a lot less, you know, than if you uh, went and tried to gamble in the stock market. Right. And so for her, I said, well, you know, even if you make 10% on 20,000, that's 2,000 bucks a year. That's not mm -hmm. enough to move the needle. I tell mm -hmm. people, most people don't even worry about passive income until you have at least 100 grand or so. Because mm -hmm. really, that doesn't matter if you're just trying to get your money to make money. Yep. So I told her instead, try other things that might be minimal time, but have systems in place that don't require you to be there all the time. She Got said, it. well, what are the examples of that? I said, here's an example. Say, for example, that, you know, she has her own her own uh, business that's kind of part-time side hustle business. I said, you can sell products, right? You can sell products and you can make money any time of the day and it's one and done. You might've had to spend the time to record it, say it's audios or videos or both. You're recording those products, but then you sell them. And it might not be a lot of money, but that's still money that can come in whether you do anything or not. You don't have to keep recording it over and over. You do it once and then right. sell it as many times as you want. That's right. one example. You could have a subscription-based membership. You know, you could mm -hmm. even have people that, you know, group setting. It could be people that maybe you are one-on-one. I have that with my right. clients where we keep up on a retainer after we do their initial planning. And then from mm -hmm. there, it's month, month, right? And they may not use us. I've, I've had some people that have paid us for seven, eight, 10 years and hardly ever reached out to us for help because they just, they got plenty of education from the other stuff we sent out. You know, another thing you could do too is that it could be a one-to-many. You know, it could be like mm -hmm. group coaching where, right. you know, you, maybe you only spend one hour a week, one hour a month, right? Mm -hmm. But you could get a paid X amount of dollars for doing something like that. That again, right. multiple people paying you that money in can make you a lot mm -hmm. more than just paying that person or work with that person one-on-one. -on -one. I even told her too, I said, you could do like what I've done before. You can become an affiliate, you know? Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's what they call it now. Uh, back yeah. then I was just a referral source back in the mid 2000s, right. but that's, that's the thing that helped get me to, to financial freedom faster. I first was able to retire when I was 28 and back in 2006. And I was a financial advisor at the time, but I quit being a financial advisor because I realized it didn't work. So I started looking at things like real estate investing. And so I was doing some things with real estate, but I remember at the time 
because I was a financial advisor, people kept asking me financial questions, even though mm -hmm. I quit that business. And, uh, and so like I had a mortgage license, I was still doing mortgages. And I remember one of my friends asked me, he said, Chris, do you like doing mortgages? If money were no issue, would you keep doing it? And I said, well, if money were no issue, probably not, but I, I don't mind teaching it. I like teaching about like strategies, like, like take the equity from your home, invest it and make more cash than what the payment is on your house. I was yes. like, that's kind of cool. I said, but honestly, I hate underwriting. I hate paperwork. Mm -hmm. I said, well, Chris, why don't you find somebody who does like doing that? Mm -hmm. And in a scarcity world, that never seemed to make sense to me. But when I started to see things more from abundance and that I was willing to share in that wealth, I found a guy actually in, in that brokerage I worked with that was a, kind of a good nerd. You know, he was a nerdy kind of guy. It wasn't really out talking to a lot of people, very introverted, but he did good work. And so I asked him, I said, listen, if I send people to you, they're already ready to do the mortgage. You don't have to sell them on it. We just do the work. Right. Would you pay me 50% for that? He said, of course, yeah. all day and every day. I'll do that all day long. If I don't have to go and find people, you just serve up to me on a silver platter. Yeah, I'll pay you 50%. And so pretty soon, like a month or so later, after I sent just some friends and family, I was getting paid a thousand or 2000 bucks. I thought, well, this is really cool. I used to spend hours and hours trying to make a thousand bucks. And now I spend a half an hour to make that much. And I thought, where else can I do that? And I remember there's a wholesale jeweler in Salt Lake City that they actually, you know, would, would pay you a referral fee. They were wholesale, so they would actually save the client's money, right? Save their customers' money way better than going to the normal jewelry stores. But at the same time, they would also give me a 5% kickback. So huh. if I had friends at that time in my 20s, more people were getting engaged or married, I would say, don't buy it from the malls. Don't buy it from the typical jewelers. Go here. You can custom design it and save money. And so they would, they were super thrilled. And then I would get a check in the mail. And so I did that with like three people. And the next thing I know between that and my real estate, I went from, even though I didn't have a lot of cash, I was making about four or 5,000 a month, really only working a couple hours a week at most. And that's the kind of thing I mean by leverage that you don't have to leverage it. When people think about, they have to make more money. It requires more time out of their life. Not necessarily. It doesn't. It's really about how can you still provide value for people? without having to provide a ton of your time and energy in doing that. You know, you've hit like so many passive income ideas, just like in this, you know, little beginning here, Chris, I'm intrigued because I got to slow down, man. I got to take it all, take it all in because, you know, typically what I'm, you know, I'm a coach and we, you and I met at this high performance mastermind, you know, a few years ago. And mm -hmm. I mean, you're a soulful guy. You're, you're very much, you know, in, in the mode of coming from the heart. So I want to be sure that people understand that you're not a financial advisor anymore. The, the typical registered investment advisor, you're not, correct? Because mm -hmm. I just want you to say yes or no. Right, I'm but... more of an anti-financial advisor. I'm telling you to not listen to those people because they just, That's right. all they do is they just charge you fees and make you no money. There you go. So just to be clear, Chris Miles is, is an anti-advisor. you know, advisor. I like your uh, unique approach and, and really sort of contrarian. But I also want to, I want to emphasize to listeners that you're a heart-centered guy. You're really a coach here. Uh, and helping people through, you know, not having to get sucked into into the day to day trading time for dollars. And so on that particular subject, so let's talk about the client transformation process. So in your experience, you kind of touched on different stories about what got you into this. And I think you may want to come back to it for a minute. But in your experience working with clients, what is the typical transformation you see that happens to them? Uh, for instance, how do you guide them from their initial financial state to a point where they're feel like they're at, leveraging their assets, whether it be time or other resources or whatever else they've got effectively. 
Yeah, people often come to us, they're kind of like the typical savers, right? I mean, mm-hmm. they're usually people that have been saving well, they've done a good job of it. Um, they might have been listening to Dave Ramsey for a while, sure. and then realizing that it hasn't made them any more free. Because mm-hmm. even though, like my dad, right? He was stiffing all that money into his 401k, hoping that it would pay off. Only to find out when he met with me when I was a financial advisor, I said, Dad, you're 61 years old. And even though you've been saving for decades, you better hope you die in five years because you'll run out of money by that. That's the thing I'm really preaching against, right? Is to get people away from being caught in that trap that so many people have been doing. And then they find themselves still wanting and lacking when they get Mm -hmm. to that retirement age. I want people to have a choice to retire sooner if they would choose to, or not even retire per se, but even just get to the point where you can really start following your passions and your dreams, you know, like having enough there. And so like our client transformation, it's very much the same. It's like they've got cash that they've saved up, but they realize it's not doing anything to change their life today. It's always about right. someday. It's, it's like they're living on hopium. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they're being yes. sold the dream. <laughs> right. You know, it's, it, it's, got, it's like network marketing in some ways, right? Like network marketing is a good legitimate business, but unfortunately for 99, 98% of the people, they don't succeed because they're sold a dream and they think that mm-hmm. it's, it's just going to somehow magically work and it doesn't. Financial yeah. advising actually has a 99% percent chance of well really a failure mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, fidelity you know one of the most popular 401k providers fidelity actually uh, came out their statistics they have 45 million clients only 750,000 have at least a million dollars wow but in the traditional model in the financial advisor model you're only supposed to pull out about three percent a year mm. so do the math even if you have a million dollars you live on thirty thousand dollars a year you live around the poverty line. That's why I said, there's some people that always criticize me when I say that, like, well, if you can't live on 30,000, you're, you're spoiled Americans. You're mm-hmm. right, you know, it's expensive to live here, sorry. Mm-hmm. You know, there are places in the world that are cheaper than this. But 30,000 <laughs> a year in America is not a lot. And so the problem is this, is that because of that reason, that's why when they pulled those same people that have at least a million dollars, 35% said, quote, it will take a miracle for me to retire. 35%, that means, that wow. out of one and a half percent, a third of them say they won't be able to make it. That leaves less than 1% success rate of people that actually feel like they can do it. Doesn't even mean they could. This means mm. they feel like they would have some freedom. Wow. So really less than 1% of people are financially free. And so when they come to us, they say, I need something different. This isn't working. I can see the evidence now. Mm. And so when they come to us, you know, like for example, um, I had one woman, she had about $650,000 between different savings and retirement accounts. Well, we got her invested in different things with real estate, you know, so you got some things in lending her money out, you know, because you can actually lend money to investors and get paid and you have to be a real estate, you know, a landlord, right? In fact, all the things we talk about doing is not being the landlord. It's uh, letting other people do the work. That's right. Well, that 650,000 actually just this last, just a few months ago, got her to the point where she had over 6,000 a month coming in and she's now financially independent. She can keep working, which she's going to do. She's following her passions, but she now doesn't have that that cloud looming over her head where she knows that she has to keep working, right? She knows that at any time she can stop kind of like me, like I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm doing this business. Like, honestly, I could spend a lot less money, not having a business, Mm. (laughs) you know, I've got more than enough income streams coming in that we could, I could just say stop today and still live on 40,000 a month. Right. Mm -hmm. But I keep doing it because I know that I have a passion for it and that I need people to do experience what I've experienced. And, uh, and I feel like, it's kind of that blessing that you've been given. Like it's uh, with a great power comes a great responsibility, like in Spider-Man, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Very much the same for me is, is that if you have something that you've been blessed with, 
share mm-hmm. it with others. And, uh, and so, so, I mean, yeah. I even had guys that were like, you know, coming, you know, and some of them, it, it might just be that they get their first few deals. They might only have a dollars $200,000. So mm-hmm. that generates a thousand or 2000 bucks a month. You know, that makes a big difference in their life. Um, yeah. We got one guy in Hollywood right now. He's a writer out there or sorry, set designer. He's a set designer out in Hollywood. Keeps getting shut down, right? Because if it weren't 2020 and COVID yeah. shutting down Hollywood, it's a writer's yeah. strike, right? Yeah. And the cool thing is that he's only a few hundred dollars off of being completely financially independent where he could pay all of his bills. Mm-hmm. So the good news is that even when they shut down, he has no work. He has enough passive income streams coming in that he only has to dip into savings a couple hundred dollars a month while the other almost 4,000 a month is coming in uh, from the investments. And so it's not even just for the business owner. It's not even just for the employee. It's really for anybody who just doesn't know what's going to happen in life. And it just gives you a little bit more options in your life and freedom. Awesome. So let's go back to the turning points. What led for you to, you described the why a little bit, but where, what got you to do this? What was the turning point for you? Usually it's yeah, some kind like of traumatic I mean, event, like, you know, but, but let's, whatever yours is. Yeah, my traumatic event was really with my dad, you know, like sitting down with him and realizing that even though he did everything right, um, and that's why I told him when he said, well, what else can I do, Chris? I said, I don't know. You did everything right that I teach as a financial advisor. And it shook my faith because I, I realized that I had been selling that dream that if you just do exactly like my dad did, you just be cheap your whole life, save mm-hmm. everything, right? Pay off all your debt. You'll be at a point where you'll be financially free in your 60s. Right. Here he was in his 60s not free. And I had this choice to make. Either I I chose my wallet and my career, or I chose my integrity. Because I could just put blinders on, and I've I've had friends do it, that they're good people. And they say, well, at least financial planning is better than nothing in people's lives. But there's still that nagging doubt saying, well, yeah, but does it really work? Mm. Well, it's better than nothing. That's what they have to always go back to. Well, I I don't believe that. I I don't buy that for one second, that I'm telling people that you just save couple hundred bucks a month and you're financially free, it hasn't worked yet, right? So there's a lot of lying Mm -hmm. that happens in that industry that I just wasn't cool with. And so I quit. Um, I Mm -hmm. vowed never to teach about money again. Uh, I vowed actually instead I was going to do those mortgages and then teach ballroom dancing on the side. That was my my dream, right? Uh Yeah, my passion. Yeah, exactly. I was kind of teaching some, you know, I was kind of teaching under the table at a local university. You know, since I didn't have my bachelor's, I actually dropped out of school to become an entrepreneur, funny enough. So I never got my bachelor's degree. Mm -hmm. And um so anyways, I, as I was doing that, though, I knew that I had to figure out how others had actually done it. And that's why I ran to guys that were in real estate game, you know, doing real estate investing. And that was kind of that turning point. I started to drink the Kool-Aid a little bit, realize that everything that they taught and that they did in their life to become financially free was the opposite of what I taught. They weren't mm-hmm. focused on accumulating a lot of money, trying to build this build net, big nest egg. They were focused on how do I accelerate my money, not accumulate. How do I take this money and generate income from it? And when I shifted that mindset away from just storing up money to how do we get income streams coming off of it, all of a sudden the, the world made sense. And as I mentioned, like I got to the point where I was work option, you know, where I was only spent a few hours a week. I didn't need the job I had. I was actually doing a part-time side hustle as well. And, and I was making like 6,000 a month off that, but everything I was making from that side hustle, I could just go and, and invest, wow. right? Because I had enough money coming in. And it got to the point, uh, I'll tell you, I haven't shared this too often, but I was listening to a radio show, a local radio show at the time. And these guys, these real estate investors were talking about this stuff. And it was blowing my mind because it was the opposite of what I taught as a financial advisor. Mm-hmm. Well, June of that next year, right about the time that I became financially free myself, 
uh, one of them died in a plane wreck. You know, him wow. and his partners, you know, actually died in a, in a you know, little Cessna plane wreck. And um, I went to his funeral. And when I went to the funeral, I remember thinking, my goodness, I mean, one, like the place was packed, right? I mean, it was a mm -hmm. big church building, but it was packed through the back. It was like overflow, standing room only. And just so many people that admired this person. And it wasn't like he was flawless. I mean, he had his own flaws and stuff. If, you know, I, I guarantee he probably would have had some business losses from the recession if he'd lived to the recession, but he didn't. But I mean, still, the guy was admired. And I remember coming back from that funeral thinking, I think my life's more than just paying bills, right? It's more than just trying to create enough income to be comfortable. I feel like I'm destined for something more. I wasn't mm -hmm. sure what it was, but I felt like somehow with that mission that he was on, I was there to carry that torch a little bit. And it was actually the next year that I went into business with, a, with another partner, you know, and started a business, was there for six years, and then broke off and then launched Money Ripples on my own uh, mm -hmm. about 11 years ago. And I mean, that still drives me to this day. That's why I can never really truly retire, right? I can't just quit because I believe that I have a responsibility to really help more people. And that's, and that's how it shows up. Awesome. You know, you don't believe in the traditional way of, you know, advising people against traditional paths, financial paths or promoting alternative investments. So are there examples, particularly like you did real estate, like what exactly did you get into that yourself? Did you have to put some money at risk? Examples of investments that actually worked for you that got you I mean, I don't know how much money you put in, it doesn't matter, but a lot of the people today are advertising or talking about on LinkedIn and other places, you know, passive income through real estate apartment. And then a couple of times I even teased them to figure out, tell me what it exactly you're looking for. Well, minimum $100,000 in, let's say, an example of, you know, cash liquidity. Mm -hmm. So what could be some examples of that that actually are in that realm of real estate? And, and I mean, I know that's not what you're talking about today, but that's how you began. Yeah. No, like, like a good example, like the one that, I never knew was available, right? When again, I was a financial advisor for four years and this whole yeah. alternative investment world was foreign yeah. to me. I mean, mm -hmm. I always heard people talk about rental real estate, but I thought it was like, you buy a real estate property in your backyard, rent it out, <laughs> you deal with the tenants, the toilets and the trash and do it That's that right. way. But when I got woken up to a whole new world of investing, like for example, I can loan my money to other investors. I can loan it to them. They pay me a contractual interest rate. And you know, and usually the ones that we look at are more like, 10, 11, 12% a year, they might pay out monthly, they might pay out quarterly, but they're paying you on that money. You know, so if you lend them a hundred thousand bucks and let's say it's 12% or 1% a month, that's a thousand dollars a month coming in. And first time I started learning about that, I started doing the math and, and at the time, you know, 2006, 2005, 2006, there's a lot more aggressive, like, you know, there's sky was the limit with real estate, nothing could go wrong. Right. So yeah, yeah. there's even people paying like two or 3% a month just ridiculous rates, um, which, you know, I now tell people stay away from that kind of stuff because it's usually what about too the credit rich. risk attached to even the 12% you were getting, Chris. I mean, is that a lot of credit giving somebody money, but then you're 50,000 hard earned because you're, you don't have that kind of money to just burn. And yeah. then the whole principle is gone. How do you deal with that? Yeah. I mean, that's, and that's why you have to find people that aren't new kids on the block. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I love finding people that they're, they do the same boring investments over and over and over. And they've done it for at least the last, usually 12 to 15 years. So they've been through full market cycles. They've been through it you know, before. They don't try something new. For example, if someone buys mm -hmm. apartments, don't trust them if they go buy hotels or mm -hmm. coffee farms, right? Like you don't want to go yeah. that route. Um, but there are a lot of people that do that. They say, well, I can't find apartment deals. So I'm going to instead do this investment, which they have no experience in. I've seen people mm -hmm. do that with assisted living. 
right? I mean, right. assisted living can be a great business model yeah. if that person knows what they're doing and they keep using the same model over and over and over for year on year. I want somebody who it's so boring to them, they can do it with their eyes closed. Like those are the kind of people I invest with. So you're right. Like you got to be careful because there are a lot of people out there asking for money that mm -hmm. really have no business asking for it. And right. um, that's what I usually look for. You know, also, if you look at investments, do they have their own money in it? Right. Like mm -hmm. are they putting their own skin in the game or is it just your money? So there's no real risk. I mean, they that's might right. say, oh, I lost your money, but oh, well, I go bankrupt and then they're yeah. gone. You know, that's yeah. you don't want that. So you do have to be very careful. And, that, and that's why a lot of our clients, when they hire us on the, in the VIP program, mm -hmm. um, we actually connect them with people that we've vetted for ourselves too, right? Like right. we've done for ourselves as well. doesn't mean anything's guaranteed because let's be mm -hmm. honest, anything happened. In fact, 2022 was worse than 2008. Mm -hmm. And many people don't even know that, but uh, know it was yeah. harder for a lot of real estate investors yeah. in the last couple of years than it ever was in back mm -hmm. in 2008. Right. And so nothing's infallible, but right. uh, I'll tell you though, I mean, it's when you have the right people and you, can tr you have that relationship with them, you can trust them, mm -hmm. it does make it a lot easier. Sure. So yes, you can lend money. Um, you can even, if you, even if you don't want to trust other people, it, well, you still have to, to some degree, you could buy properties. Like I buy what are called turnkey rentals, which mm -hmm. are properties yeah. that somebody else, a company finds for you in certain areas of the country, anywhere in the sure. country for that matter. Mm -hmm. And then they help you get the mortgage. They help you sit, get set up with a property manager. Usually they're the property manager mm -hmm. and you, they fill the, the house for you, right? So you mm -hmm. don't have to do anything. You own the house. But yes. they're the ones property managing, and then you still get paid the net cash flow after they're done taking out the property management fees. And if it's the right one, even nowadays, even with higher interest rates, some people could still make just on the cash flow six, seven percent a year. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't include appreciation, doesn't include the fact that the renters are paying down your mortgage. So that's right. guaranteed yeah. equity right there. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's and not to mention tax advantages too. And so I mean, even properties I've had that turned out to be not as great as I'd hoped they would be. Mm -hmm. Still, like I just sold off an Alabama property um, and we made about 15 grand on it in two and a half years. The right. crazy thing is, you know, we only put $40,000 down on it. And mm -hmm. so we still netted above that 40,000, $15,000. Right. That's pretty dang good. If you think about yeah. it, like if you really look at it that way, you say, well, my goodness, like I'm making at least 15% a year on something that kind of sucked, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, that yeah. does include some of my properties I've had for like five mm -hmm. years. I've done over 300%, you know, so mm -hmm. Right. So there's things you could do there. You can even pull your money with other investors to buy apartments. It could be self-storage units. Mm -hmm. It could be uh, even things like oil and gas, you know, where you can mm -hmm. lease the land to oil companies, get paid right. rent for the land and get paid royalties on the drilling they do too. I mean, there's just mm -hmm. so many ways you can make money in this alternative space and actually have real assets backing it up versus like a Tesla stock, right? Yeah. Which, you know, can go up or down based on however somebody feels about it, which is, yeah. is like the most unsettling, unnerving thing to do right. is you hope and pray that uh, you don't lose money because, you know, Elon Musk tweeted right. the wrong thing, right? Yeah. You know, if that's the case, so obviously you must know where all these things are, right? So that's what people come to you for. Mm -hmm. and say, like, give me the alternatives and you figure out based on what their needs are, you can say match them to what is out there that you are aware of. Is that is that accurate mm -hmm. to say? Exactly. Like we have yeah. over 20 different operators we can refer people to, but rather than just like leave, leave them to their own devices, um, we'll kind of help them narrow it down a little bit to say, here are the ones that match best with your goals or with what you're trying to do or your current situation. Mm -hmm. Talk to these people, you know, and Got develop it. that relationship and see if they're people you would trust investing your money with. Mm -hmm. um, so we don't take any money. That's the great thing. Yeah. We don't have that conflict yeah. of interest where we're taking somebody's money and then investing in ourselves. 
right. taking whatever fees off the top. We actually connect them with other people. Those people, our clients just pay us a consulting fee to connect them with those people and help strategize a little bit. And then how do you get paid? Yeah, with that consulting fee. Through the consulting, okay. All right, mm -hmm. so switching gears a little bit, but staying with the financial education piece of it. I mean, how do you believe that financial education and management impact affect areas of personal development and growth? Because that's kind of the world that we, we met in. And that's what I'm all about. And, and frankly, some of my clients tend to be corporate executives like me who quit their jobs to go find, you know, find their own voice and create their entrepreneurship sort of vehicles. Uh, I know you weren't in the corporate world, which is, which is great, which is fine. I, I just feel like there are many who are out there itching to go somewhere because they think they have gifts that are buried in them that they want to convey to the world. And there is just fear that that sort of like, you know, when I have this much money and I have this much money and this much money, that's a mirage that they keep chasing, you know, and then I'll mm -hmm. quit because I'll have more confidence and a feeling of security. So that's kind of what my client does. But can you share a story where financial empowerment led to significant personal and professional transformation for, let's say, one or two of your clients? Are they too related to you yeah, at all? It goes, yeah, it goes hand in hand, doesn't it? Um, I mean, a lot of people get caught in the gap, right, as they call it, where like you said, like the, the goalposts just keep moving. The horizon keeps moving as you row out closer to it. That's right. And no one's really immune to that. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'll tell you, personal development, I think, in a lot of ways should happen first before you make the money. Mm -hmm. um, definitely making the money can help with personal development, too. But yeah. I've realized that money is just a magnifier of the soul. It only makes you more of who you already were. So if you were already somebody who didn't really care about personal development before money, you won't care about it after either. In fact, you'll, you'll even excuse it and say, personal development means nothing, right? <laughs> but if you realize that almost everything is about your mindset and how that ties in with your money too. And I'll tell you, I mean, I've had clients that have become financially independent, like financially free. They could quit and they're still scared. Mm -hmm. Why? Because they never addressed the, the mindset side of things, right? They were still in a living a life of scarcity. More mm -hmm. money in your life doesn't reduce scarcity. If you're already a scarce person without money, you'll be even a more scarce person with it, right? It just magnifies who you already are. So I encourage people to actually personally develop while they're growing their money. Keep mm -hmm. doing that because that's the only way you can create real true freedom. The freedom has nothing to do with your bank account. It has everything to do with your perspective and your mind right. and how that works there. And even I would even venture to say it's a state of being, not even just a state of mind, right? Mm -hmm. So in that sense, um, I mean, does financial freedom help? Yeah, it does. But only if you were somebody who valued personal development beforehand. That's the important thing. So I, I tell people, like, well, really become a, a student of that. Like, I, I think The Gap and the Gain is a great, good, practical book to use by um, Ben Hardy and, and Dan yeah. Sullivan, right? Mm -hmm. um, great book to kind of address that scarcity mindset. Because if you don't address that, it doesn't matter if I help you create another 10000 $20,000 a month, you're still going to feel trapped. You're still going to feel scared, right? But you got to deal with the mindset first. Right. Well, that's all I talk about. So I'm glad that we brought that close because I'm a finance guy by, by trade and everybody thinks that all I do is talk about money. And the truth is I don't. <laughs> For me, it's mm -hmm. about getting your, your stuff right inside of you first, right? So that's right. what would be one or two leadership lessons that you've learned thus far in your life? You know, I'll tell you, whether you like it or not, <laughs> you know, if you want to create anything of real value in life, um, it deals with other people and leadership has got to be a part of it. 
I don't care if it's just you and your kids, you know, if that's the only people you want to influence, there's a, a aspect of leadership. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's important to figure out how to become a better leader. I mean, it's, I'm one of those people, I'll tell you, like my biggest weakness is in my leadership ability has been communication. I know mm-hmm. it's ironic considering how much I've been yapping on this interview, but it's one thing to teach, right? But it's another thing to, to lead and, and be clear about knowing what you want, having a clear vision and then having it at least, you don't have to have no A to Z on your plan, but at least you need to know A to B, right? And be mm-hmm. able to say, here's how we can get there. Even if we don't mm-hmm. know the next several steps beyond it, let's at least get this point. You got to paint a good vision. If you don't have that, it's hard to be a good leader. And that's been my weakness. I'm one of those people that I just believe that you should just put your head down, do the work and people should do their work. They should do their work. And somehow we should just align. Um, mm-hmm. But that doesn't always work that way. You know, it doesn't work in, in family. It doesn't work with marriage. Uh, yeah. It doesn't work in a company either. I mean, you've mm-hmm. got to be very clear about, you know, at least clear about what you want to achieve. Not necessarily how to do it, but what you want. And then from there, you know, start communicating with each other to make it, make it happen. So you're saying clarity is the first thing that, as to what you desire? Is that what you're saying in, the, in terms of the leadership lesson? Yeah, clarity. Clarity, for, first and foremost. And I think also identify as being a leader, I think would be the second thing is because I have a lot of people say, well, I'm not a leader. Well, if you ah. keep saying that, you're always going to be not a leader, right? So you got to be willing to say, no, I am this person. I am a leader. And right. the truth is you're leading, whether it be by example, by word, sure. you're leading mm-hmm. in some way, shape, or form. And so you, know, you might as well just accept it. Yeah, your team is watching you. Your kids are watching you. Yeah, your kids are watching you. Teams are watching you. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Neighbors are watching you, right? Like yeah. more people are watching you. There's one point where you could say less people care about your life than what's going on, but there's another point that says people are watching your example. I mean, you can be yeah. influencing just by being a more positive person. I mean, sometimes just being a more positive person can influence people to say, you know what, around this person, I shouldn't be so negative, right? Yeah. You could be leading and not even knowing it, but just because of who you're being in that moment. I think exactly. that's the thing is that you can be your own type of leader. You don't have to be like, I always thought, saw like the machismo, like almost like a, uh, you know, the stereotypical field marshal, right? The general that's leading their troops. I always thought that's what a leader had to be, but I'm not that guy. Like I can be firm and I'm persistent, but I'm not a sprinter. I'm more of a marathoner, right? So um, I'm more of a persistent endurance, very Mm -hmm. steady um, pace kind of person. And and Mm -hmm. that's okay. You know, you got to be okay with allowing you the best parts of you to be that leader. Right. So related to that, what advice would you give somebody the kind of person I just mentioned earlier, who's, you know, shaky and as a leader, they are a leader, but you know, they just feel like everything's uncertain around me. Everything is about this happened. Well, first it was a global meltdown in the 2008s timeframe mm-hmm. and post that. And now it's post COVID it's like COVID and then COVID there's all this stuff going on outside. So what would you, what advice would you give that someone who's always perceiving that there is uncertainty? So how am I going to navigate these, these uncertainties out there? Well, one, turn off the news. You know, turn off the media. Yeah, um, don't turn this off. I mean, you stay with these podcasts. But no, it's true. Like I, I think, remember, media tries all they're trying to do is sell you and keep you on, right? Just like anything with social media or anything, they're trying to keep you engaged and hooked, and they're going to exactly. do whatever it takes, even if it means skewing the actual real perspective that's out there. Mm-hmm. So if you find yourself that everything in the world is going crazy, uh, one, you need to turn off the the news. You know, turn off the TV. And then to be grateful, like be grateful for where mm. you are and, and appreciating everything that you have. I honestly, like when I remember 2020, things were going crazy. I looked at it as an opportunity. I got excited because I realized mm-hmm. 
if everybody, if the masses all feel one way, I like to go the other way, right? So if everybody's feeling like, oh, like, man, like I got to hunker down, I got to cut my marketing budget. I did the opposite. I said, I think I need to increase my marketing budget. You yeah. know, this might be the time to really, truly stand out. You mm -hmm. know, it's like when everybody says, oh, you should buy stocks. No, you should do the opposite. Because if everybody says buy stocks, it's the time to sell, right? That's right. Just like real estate. If everybody says it's time to buy real estate, it's the time not to buy real estate. Mm -hmm. um, it's time to buy crypto. That's the time not to buy crypto. Mm -hmm. So do the opposite. And the best way to do the opposite is a lot of times turning it off and then go, you know, going in. I like to be very intuitive you know, mm -hmm. and following my gut. And my mm -hmm. gut tends to do a lot better then if I'm listening to other voices, especially in the news and the media, mm -hmm. that can throw off my, my inner compass and, and I can make worse decisions. Yep. Well, I just celebrated seven years of not watching the news at all. So somebody told me I was getting on a plane March 8, 2020. A friend of mine called because he knew I was traveling. Are you out of your mind? I said, no, why? What's going on? He says, I'm canceled all my meetings overseas in Asia. I said, why? He goes, haven't you heard of COVID? I said, no. March 8, 2020, he said, no, I never heard of COVID. I said, the plane's going, I'm going. They'll figure out, they must have figured out that we're safe to fly. So, hey, you know, yeah, whatever happened after that was an adventure. So, But life is about adventure. Life is about walking into the to fear or whatever it may be, right? So like, it's like fear bred more fear, didn't it? Like it, yeah. it took something that really wasn't as threatening as people thought. But again, our mm -hmm. imaginations and with media and everything else that made it seem like like literally there was going to be a billion people plus or a couple billion people dying on this planet yeah. that just wasn't the case you know and yeah. you got to really unplug for those kind of things yep yeah. so uh, we can go on forever clearly but one last question here for you uh chris you know learning wisdom comes from every nook and corner right our kids teach us neighbors teach us events teach us so I don't take anything for granted. So, and again, just in this conversation, and we've had conversations before, but I just always feel like learning never stops. And I keep learning new things and new little nuggets that come out because it is ultimately a kind of co-creative process, as we know. So our audience, I, I hope also you guys don't take anything for granted. So we appreciate your presence here, Chris. Uh, and in that context, in that vein, what discoveries might you've had in this conversation in these last 40 minutes? You know, the discovery I had was actually talking about leadership. Funny enough, just realizing mm -hmm. where I need to step up for myself. Mm -hmm. You know, like there's always a way to improve that. There's always a way to become better. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that's definitely the case with me too. You know, that although I've made good progress and I'm grateful for it, there's still mm -hmm. a whole nother level to take it to, to truly let that show up in all areas of my life. So true. So true. It's like ultimately who, you know, our one of our mentors who we share, you know, always says success equals progress. There's nothing else. You make progress, you're feeling successful, and you are successful. In as much as you're progressing, you're prospering. That's right, prospering. So I'm not a big guy that talks about money, but but today we, we had to bring this out. So appreciate that. Uh, where can our listeners find more about your work and follow you, really? Um, and I know I'll have a lot of the details in the show notes uh, for you, Chris. Yeah, two easy ways. You can always go to moneyripples.com, like R-I-P-P-L-E-S.com. Um, or you can even follow our Money Ripples channel on YouTube, you know, or mm -hmm. anywhere you follow podcasts. We have the Money Ripples podcast you can follow. Great. So I'll put that in. And uh, thank you, Chris, for joining us. Is there anything else you want to share as a closing? Yeah, you know, I would just say this is that you guys are in the right place. You know, you're trying to learn, mm -hmm. you're trying to grow. You know, the best thing to do, though, is if you really want to take this to a deeper level, find ways to apply it. Don't just listen to it and be a good hearer of the word, but be a doer as well. 
Brilliant, because there's nothing, if you don't take action, it's just, it's all useless information and doesn't turn into real knowledge or wisdom for you. So remember, the journey to financial independence starts with bold, conscious actions. Sorry, I had to plug bold and conscious in here because my podcast is called Bold Conscious Connections. So until next time, keep striving for excellence in both your personal and professional lives, guys. Take good care. And thanks again, Krish, for being here. Thank you. And that, my friend, brings us to the end of another episode of Bold Conscious Connections. I hope today's conversation has sparked new ideas and inspired you to embrace your own journey of growth and entrepreneurship. Remember, every step forward is a step towards achieving your dreams and your success. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and download the episode that you heard today. This way you can stay connected with our community of bold and conscious leaders. Take at least one action today, my friend, towards your goals and join us next time for more empowering stories and insights. Here is to your power.